0: well good morning we're stepping into a a sermon series to do with joshua and the book of joshua has everything to do with with faith bold faith uh, faith that calls us to stretch ourselves into claiming what god wants for us and living the way god has called us to be so i just encourage us as we go forward this that that you will really sense god's leading for you so i'm excited about it i think it'll be a good time together Let's just pray. Lord, thank you. Thank you that you guide us, that you are the one that call us, and you call us into a life of adventure of following you and knowing you, and we just thank you. Thank you for calling us, and we pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Well, I don't know about you, but I'm not sure if you've ever had a time where you completely feel, just feel out of your depth. Like the wave the white flag time that you just sort of like, nah, this is surrender. Well, among things that could do that easily for me, one of them would be being showcased on Dancing with the Stars. I mean, I wouldn't make auditions for Dancing with the Hippos. There is no no talent within me whatsoever in that. But yeah, Joanne, believing that this hippo could be transformed from beast into beauty, she signed the two of us up for dancing lessons. But but as she soon learned, that uh, feet are only as free as the mind will allow. And these feet, uh, they were bound to very much hippo mind and hippo feet. And although there were glimmers of hope when all was said and done, the feet and brain—they just weren't on speaking terms at all. It, if it didn't have a round ball or a ball I could throw, then this just wasn't going to work. I was completely out of my depth. And, and yet, as trivial as that may be, I, I know for many of you that you know very much what it means to be having and living out of a out of your depth situation—not by out of your depth by an inch or two, but significantly. When you've been thrown into the deep end and there's been nothing to grab hold on, and the task before you or the challenge before you far bigger than any capacity to deal with that. The uniform far bigger than your frame. Tough times, hard times. And if you get this, then in some measure you'll begin to understand what faced Joshua when he was actually called to boldly step into. Places that he had were far beyond his capacity that he ever imagined. And so here's the story as we get into it Moses is dead, and his presence, anything but dead. And for the last 30 days, the people of Israel have been mourning his death, and Moses' his name was on every lip. The exploits of everything he do- did, of young and old. Egypt brought to her knees egypt or it was moses egyptian chariots stuck in the mud moses a battle victory that was needed moses food that needed to be provided moses and larger than life moses who even moments before his death scripture tells us that his eye wasn't dimmed nor was his energy abated right to the very end living to the end with purpose and passion And telling us, we learn later, that there was no one on earth, no one in Israel, who knew the Lord face to face as he did. And now, Moses is gone. And it's Joshua's turn to lead, being asked to lead, and with the shadow of the Anointed One still present. And his challenge is, how do you lead into the future? when everyone is living triumphant stories from the past, a past of 40 years that were selectively being remembered. Stories when God moved, when excitement was strong, times when God showed up, good events and God events, just like what our church can look back on times of impressive productions and, and great teaching and celebratory worship, memories of what was tightly held. But while these are good places to visit that what God has done in the past, they aren't places that we're called to live. Because our walk with God is to be characterized by God is, not God was. God present god active his name saying it all his name is jehovah the god of i am so on the cusp of the new day we get into the pages of joshua and we if you've got your bibles we'll read starting in chapter one just the first eleven verses Scripture tells us this, after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, Moses, my servant is dead. Now therefore, arise and go over this Jordan and you and all the people into the land that I am giving to them, so the, to the people of Israel. Every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given to you just as I promised to Moses. From the wilderness and this Lebanon, as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites to the great sea toward the going down of the sun shall be your territory. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. And just as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you or forsake you. So, be strong and courageous, for you, uh, for you shall cause this people to inherit the land that I swore to their fathers to give to them. Only be strong and very courageous, being careful to do according to all the law that Moses my servant commanded you. Don't turn from it to the right or to the left, that you may have good success wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened, and do not be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. And Joshua commanded the officers of the people, Pass through the midst of the camp and command the people, Prepare your provisions, for within three days you are to pass over this Jordan to go in and take possession of the land that the Lord your God is giving you to possess. And here's the situation, as we said. Moses is dead, and now it's Joshua's. And we too need to know and remember that there will be a day that David Jeremiah will be dead, and Tim Keller will be dead, Francis Chan will be dead. And with all that, God isn't wringing his hands in in some sort of despair. His view is this. Next. Who is next in my plan? And Joshua, or the name Yeshua, which actually means God's salvation, the same name that Jesus bears, is his next. And in the same way that that MRAC is also in search for its next, who his next will be. And God isn't wringing his hands. His plan will be fulfilled. His plan, that his next, will accomplish what God wants it to accomplish, that many will come to faith in Christ, that, that marriages will be restored, that healing will come. And disciples will be sent into the, into the world to proclaim his good news, that God's plan will be done, leader to leader to leader. And perhaps his next may be, as you watch, maybe you. Not necessarily to be the lead pastor of, of this church, but his next calling you into what God has for you. His call, not predicated on the number of calendar pages turned, be you young or old, but his next, who will be a person that has a, a heart, that's got a, a passion of faith to live out and be God's represented, to draw others to do what Joshua is called to do, to step out and to step over. Because that's what faith calls us to do, to step out and to step over to step into what God has and sometimes we need to shake loose the storybook view of God that we so easily let settle in limiting him that God was someone that did something then and and back there instead of the God that just didn't do the miraculous through supernatural people and supernatural exploits but he did it through the, the normal. We, we so often lionize the, the people that we read about and recognize that they were people just like us. And yet, when we don't get that view right, that our view is, <laughs> I'm no leader, I'm no warrior, I, I'm no king. I'm just simple folk with simple faith and simple hopes. There's no exploits here. And yet, what if it's true that God wants to do his exploits of his purpose and plan through people like you? People whose best before dates hasn't passed or those that consider themselves, you're too young to even be considered. After all, you're too unskilled, you're too plain, you're too busy. But God doesn't need prophets or kings. He needs a student that is fully committed to him. He needs fathers who will lead their children with, with gutsy, attractive faith following Jesus. He needs business women who will lead according to truth when compromise is the standard of the day and is more expedient. He needs husbands who honor and serve their wives in the same way that Christ served the, loved the church. He needs Joshua's who will step boldly up and transform their world with God's good news. Who will live their lives out before a watching world, both outside and inside the home. People that don't believe in faith, they actually are men and women who live from faith. Even when all hell breaks loose, even when all the things rush in upon us, people who will hold tightly to a living transforming resurrected christ a faith that's not spoken but a faith that's actually lived and dynamic and real people whose identity rests in jesus who are secure in him who live faithfully in him to god's call identities not in achievement not in success not in the letters after my name or the corner office i hold but identities Firmly held in Christ. Perfect people, no, not at all. People in process, but people who are living out the reality of faith in Christ. People who have God-defined identities that they understand who God has called them to be. God-shaped identities. Identities that are continuously being shaped and transformed and made into the image of Jesus. Just like Joshua, who was a slave in In Egypt, he was a soldier under Moses' command. He was a servant at Mount Sinai, and he was a spy scouting out the land. But when Moses died, those identities were done. He was called to be something different. The soldier was now commander. The slave was now leader. He was being transformed. He was called. And in the same way that Jesus transforms us, putting his identity in us to live out a reflection of Jesus. And the truth of the matter is, and of Joshua, is that transformation is at the heart of the gospel. It's Jesus coming to change our identity from lost to found, from dead to alive, from stranger to child and perhaps as you listen this morning and you sit there and you just listen in, perhaps you need to hear it clearly. Jesus came to change your identity fundamentally from lost to found, from stranger to child. And that you understand that when you came to saving faith in Christ, the cross of Christ rendered the other voices that would sh- try to shape and create your identity they were muted the voices of shame the mo- the voices of not worthy the the voices of not been loved and saying i changed all that at the cross when i gave you new life in christ and we're told that in christ we are a new creation the old is gone the new has come we're told in second corinthians 517 in jesus our sins are forgiven we've been set free and again john verse 836 reminds us we have been made new and if the son has set us free we are free indeed but we haven't been just made new we have been made new to live new So look ahead as we walk in a growing relationship with Jesus, the living dynamic I am. And the sad part is, we look at the Israelites, the Israelites continually missed the looking forward, the dynamic I am, because they had the preoccupation of looking back at what was. And over time, what they looked back upon became something that actually was far removed from what the truth was. But deceived, they were attracted by the life that they had left behind and they were fearful to look ahead. They wouldn't cross the Jordan that they had been told to cross that would be theirs on the other side because they were too preoccupied to look back and not believe God for what he said, except Joshua and Caleb. He knew what was back there of looking back. He, he knew the story of the fears and the lies of the ten who said, we've looked, we've looked on the other side of the Jordan. We've looked. We, what we've seen, it's, it's the land of the promise. It's, it's occupied. They're too big. They're too strong. They're too many. We're not crossing over. Because faith calls us to walk into what we can't always see. But God gives us the promise that if I called you, then I'll protect you. I will lead you. And the Israelites, sadly, missed God's possession. God said, it's yours to take. But you missed it because you wouldn't believe. But now as we read, Joshua says he's taking possession. He's told that you were to arise and cross. I've given it to you. Those are the words of God. God. And he knew that there would be enemies and obstacles on the other side. He knew that there would be battles ahead. But he also knew that he was assured that God's deed was in now held in Joshua's hand. And he believed what he was told in verse 5, that no man will be able to stand before you. I will be with you. I will not fail you. I will not forsake you. That every place your soul treads, I've given it to you all the land of the hittites and as far as the great sea toward the setting of the sun they will be your territory in the things you see the land of the hittites and the places that you've never seen (laughs) as far as the great sea all the way to the rivers afraid you've not seen it but it's all yours if you will step out and step into But if you lose sight of Him, that your possessions taken, they're going to be small because you're going to step in small steps and step in small places. And God's reminder to Joshua and to us is that small step faith only takes possession of small step things. And for what was ahead, the people needed large-step faith. And God's challenge to cross the, the Jordan River was no easy thing. It's easy when conditions are good, but here the river was at flood stage, which is a good principle for us to understand that when, when God's power is evident and God calls us to do something, his power equips and he calls us in the place of let what you see be put aside because you need to see me and my promise and what I provide. And you need to step from and to step into. Because stepping into is, is where the blessing resides. Stepping into where God leads. Possessing, as Joshua has told, every place that your soul touches. It was yours, and our position is often to say, well, (laughs) okay, God, you stop the water, you stop the chaos, you stop the turmoil, and I'll step in, and God says back is that you step in and let me deal with the waters the way I need the waters to be dealt with. So the question in all of this, and the question as we get into the book of Joshua, is this. How bold will our steps of faith be? How large will we allow our vision to be? Faith that will say, God will use me in the workplace. That God can take my struggles with my kids and and use those difficulties to do the miraculous in you. And yes, in them that God would show up in that classroom to accomplish a victory that you never thought possible. Territories that God says step in and let them be claimed for the kingdom of God to do what God wants to do. Not the results. You step. God says I'll deal. The question for us is this do we believe what was said to Joshua that Is promised in verse 3, I've given it to you. No one will stand up to you. And we need to be clear, the promise specifically that God was speaking to Joshua was reserved for the land. And it's critical we understand that because it's up to the Lord to determine what is to be possessed. Our call is just a step. God will look after the possessions. And that means that our faith must be determined by inquiring of the lord we are to ask him where to step where to inquire not to presume but we are to do it because god didn't stop telling his people to step 2000 years ago he didn't say the battle's done so you can just set up camp where you are indeed he said and promised that no weapon used against you shall succeed and you shall confuse every tongue that rises up against you in judgment this is the heritage of the servants of the lord we're told that in isaiah 54 verse 17. but when we don't inquire of the lord we either misstep going to places that we were never called to go, and those places, when we don't inquire of the Lord, they're usually marked by a whole lot of gravestones. Or we timidly step, falling far short of what God calls us to know. Verse 5, we're told that Joshua is told, tells the people to consecrate yourself, for to the Lord tomorrow will do amazing things among you. And, and the word consecrate here literally means that you are to be separated to or belonging to God. Joshua reminding the people both who they were and far more importantly, whose they were. That above all, the one giving the command wasn't Joshua. It was given by the Lord God Almighty. He was the ruler of all. He's the possessor of all. The one of all power. But the beautiful thing to Moses or to Joshua, he says, I am not just the God of power, I am, as told in verse 5, He's the God of presence. I, I, I will be God with me. A- a- and during life's normal things that occur, knowing that God is with me is a nice thing to have. But when the storms come and the turmoil turmoils tends to overpower then that's essential to know that god is with me that's imperative to know when the situations feel too much i am with you when the opposition feels too strong i am with you when obstacles threaten to be over overcoming or too large to overcome too large, I am with you. His promise to do anchored in his promise that he would to be. I am the Lord God Almighty who is present within you. Even when hidden from view, even when we don't see God, I will never forsake you. God present, encouraging, uh, reminding calling us to boldly step out in faith, verse 9. So don't tremble. Don't be dismayed. And he repeats that phrase three times. Don't tremble. Don't be dismayed. And he didn't repeat it because God had a speech impediment. He he repeated it because Joshua needed to know it because he says, step large and step, step with courage. But understand... Joshua, in what you're going for and where you're going to step, there will be battles. There will be obstacles. And there will be battles that will cause you to doubt, just as they will with all. And first, you need to understand the first battle you're going to face and the greatest battle you will ever face is to know that there is one, an enemy, that wants to destroy. There is an enemy who fights to hold on to everything he's possessed uh, for you for from your old life. And scripture reminds us in Ephesians six twelve, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Yes, we have an enemy, but God's word tells me that enemy has been defeated by the one who is present with us. There's a second enemy that we need to be aware of, and that is the enemy that lives within. The enemy that says, well, who am I? (laughs) What have I got to offer? It's the enemy of self-doubt. Not embracing the strength that, that God says is resident within us in Christ. Not taking possession of the power that God has given us inquiring of him yes but the power that he has said lives within and there's the the enemy of self-doubt but there also if we're not careful there's also the doubt of self-deluded assurance that that we have the strength to deal with what's ahead and what comes but the truth of it is if we go in our power the enemies we face as we just read about they'll hopelessly we're hopelessly outmatched the principalities and the powers, and, and there's a third enemy that we need to be conscious of, and that's the enemy sometimes that is around, and I call that the brotherhood enemy, and those that are around us that undermine faith, they're obstacle watchers that say, "Ah, oh, it's too much, it's too big, it's too, they're too many," and, and they seek companions. They're the 10 spy people who discourage because they want us to know the task is too great. You're too young. You're too small. The risk is too much. Don't get too serious about your faith. They're the faith cripplers. They're, they're the ones that, whether by intent or not, they're the ones that want to destroy faith. And to this, God's word comes back be strong. Be strong and very courageous. Not strong in themselves, but strong in the Lord. Be courageous because I'll be with you even as I was with Moses. God drawing Joshua to see the the victories were not about Moses. They were about me. About God's presence, God's power. But God is clear. He also gives us, if you like, a poor choice of words perhaps, but He also gives us a formula for success. And we're told that in verses 7 and 8. He says His success and ours is tied to God's truth. Because it's God's truth where the supernatural actually lives. It's not in experience, it's not in some encounter, it's in God's truth. And God makes it very clear. The condition for victory is the law shall not depart from your mouth. You shall meditate on it day and night. So shall you do everything according to what is is written in it. And what he's saying is this. Your victory is in God's word. It's knowing God and it's knowing his word, knowing what he's saying. And don't turn to the right. Don't turn to the left. Stay on course. And you will become victorious. And the first thing you need to do is you need to proclaim it to yourself. You need to live in that truth. You need to live out of that truth. To live in truth and from truth. Because again, that's where the supernatural is. God's truth, because of the blood of Jesus who made me new, By what he did on a cross to forgive me and love me and claim me as his own, he says, I put that strength in you. It's my strength. It's in me. So we're to proclaim it first to ourselves to own that. The second thing is we're to meditate on it day and night. And the word of meditating has the idea of it let it be a dull hum in your life, something that is always humming that truth of God in your life. Possess it. It's to be music that's constantly playing. And my question to you and I is this. What is the music that's playing in your life? What hums constantly? Is it is it music of his truth or music that... That wants to invade and, and mute God's truth. Is God's truth constantly shaping and aligning my thoughts towards Him, what we dwell on? Psalm uh, verse 1 1 through 3 says, this, Blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, or stand in the way of sinners, or sit in the seat of mockers, but his, get this, his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law he meditates day and night. He's like a tree planted by the water which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf it will not wither. Whatever he does, he prospers. Not, Not some monastic retreat, but God's truth rather than the world's truth. His sense of I love you, I love you with an everlasting love Enough of a love that went to a cross to say, "I'll pay that, so I can be in relationship with you." So we're to proclaim it first to ourselves. We're to meditate on it, and thirdly, we are to activate it. We are to be courageous and step out. This isn't textbook truth. This isn't something I study for an exam and then forget every principle about. It's something that I'm step out and make it active in my life. And when we do, that God says, "I'll direct your paths." He will shape us as we engage our world, not, not speak to our world, that we engage our world. And the greatest hope I could have for the ministry from, that comes from this church is that this is a church that teaches and lives the word of God. It's to be seen in a people who loving, lovingly engage the world, anchored in the power of a living, resurrected Christ. And the truth is, of his word people who are becoming more and more like Jesus people who love and serve people alive with hope people who by the Holy Spirit working in our lives and by his truth are contagiously attractive with joy not with biblical slogans not with self-righteous condemnation of others but an attraction of a life I've been in the presence of Jesus. And so in that, we are to boldly, courageously step out. And in verse 11, Joshua is called to step in, step in and take possession, cross over and make it yours. And and yet, as we come to the end of this chapter, we have contrasting pictures We've got the picture of a people preparing, they're consecrating, they're packing, they're preparing to cross over. And some who have decided to sit, they're they're just satisfied with what they've got. And we see two of those tribes, two and a half. The tribe of Reuben, who is a tribe that was, it said of Reuben that he was born to lead, he was born to excel. His father saying of him that he was preeminent in dignity and preeminent in power, but he was governed by passion. And he would take only what he could see and bound to only what he could see and what he would grab. He forfeited the riches that were available to him. And the others, Gad and Manasseh, like Reuben, they they set down roots on the wrong side of the Jordan. They set down roots on the other side of everything that was promised. It's such a sad picture because abundance awaited. But they settled for safety. And in the settling for safety, they made a fool's trade. They settled for a bowl of pottage, a bowl of porridge, instead of God's abundance. So as we enter into this study, as we enter what our relationship should look like, that God has called us to, how about you? Where does God find you this morning? Settling in and holding on, only seeing what the things that you can see and only trusting that? Or, or will you be someone that's saying, I've been settling and sitting too long. I, I want to step in not knowing what storms ahead and what enemies I will face, but I'm going to step into a new adventure of faith to really trust God, to walk with him even in my storms as I take possession of all that God would have for us. The choice is yours. The choice is mine. But I can't leave this without leaving this with you. The promise that God said to Joshua, though it's specific to certain things, he also in his own way is saying to us, every place, every place that your soul treads, I have given it to you. And the great news of the gospel of Jesus Christ is that I placed my foot upon your sin to forgive you. And to give you new life, to make you new, that you may know life everlasting, life present with me. I've, I set my foot on that place. His call, will you step into his footsteps? If you've never given your heart to Jesus Christ and say, I, I admit I am a sinner. I, I have no righteousness in my own, but you give that to me in Jesus when I bow and confess my sin. You can settle in on the other side not understanding what God has for you. Or or you can step in and embrace life in everything that it means that God has given us. Obstacle-free? No. But in the service of a victorious king who one day will say, look, as they pull open the curtain to show you what I've got for you, that you may know that where i call you to step is a place that one day is going to be revealed as a place of a measurable treasure my prayer as you listen this morning is that you will come to the place and say lord i will follow you because i know you walk into the places that I want to be with where you are. We pray this and ask this in the name of Jesus. Lord, thank you for our time together this morning as we've worshipped, as we've listened to your word. I pray, Lord, that, that this will be a time that we will see who you are and what you call us to, that you are the king, you are the victorious one. And Lord, as we go out into our our workplace, as we go into our homes, as we go into our neighborhoods, Lord, may they be people that say there's something about them that they have a radiant faith, a radiant joy in how they live. Oh Lord, let us have that testimony to the world around, and we pray that in the name of Christ. Amen.